Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 194 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. While it's cold, I've been trying to explain on video the new splitboard method, which is very similar to the Demery swarm control method. Today, I'll try to explain the subtle differences, and I have some good news finally about the truck and trailer question. Beekeeping short and sweet a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I'm delighted to say that our podcast is now sponsored in part by Simon the Beekeeper. Making beekeeping an affordable hobby for everyone, Simon the Beekeeper provides the best value beekeeping equipment possible, along with a super fast delivery service. The bees won't wait, so their customers don't have to either. Visit the website at www simonthebeekeeper.co.uk Hi everyone, I trust you're all well and keeping warm because if you've got weather as we have here in Norfolk, you'll need to keep warm. The overnight temperatures have dropped sufficiently to give us a few days of early morning frosts. In fact, as I type at something like 9.30 in the morning, I can see a fairly heavy ground frost outside still. Our daytime maximums are reaching 6 to 8 degrees Celsius. What's that in Fahrenheit? Something around 46 degrees-ish. Colonies are clustered up nicely at these temperatures, and I'm actually glad for the colder weather. It reduces the activity within the hives. Colonies gather together to maintain brood nest temperatures, and the consumption of food will drop compared to a warm active day when bees will be out on cleansing flights and using energy that will no doubt need to be replenished, thus depleting the food stores they have further. It's become a regular habit for many beekeepers to add fondant to their colonies over winter. Not something I did much at all when I first got into beekeeping, but probably more in the last 10 years than ever before. Well-fed colonies in the autumn don't usually need topping up feeding through the normal winter, but what on earth is a normal winter these days? Is it a sign of climate change that we're seeing warmer winters and bees actively flying when before they would have spent longer periods clustered together and inactive? Who knows? As I've said before, half the time I think the fondant is added for my benefit rather than because the bees are dangerously short of food. It doesn't cost a great deal really, so I guess it's worth it. Remember, now is a good time to carry out regular hefting checks on your colonies. Lift the back of the hive by grasping the bottom of the floor at the back and with your other hand on the roof to steady it, gently lift the back and gauge the weight of the hive and contents. If you've a number of colonies, you'll soon spot ones that are particularly light or overly heavy. Both should be checked. One might be starving, the other might be isolated from its stored food supply, and will need a helping hand either way. With all this cold weather around, it was a bit chilly this week as we completed our second round of oxalic acid sublimation. I hope my little exercise last week with the numbers didn't confuse you too much. Suffice to say, if the maths was a little off, the basic principle was sound. For rower populations can grow at a frightening rate if left unchecked. 
I've had a couple of comments about whether the sublimation should be through the bottom or the top of the hive. Honestly, I don't think it really matters a great deal. I don't have any science to back this up, as usual, apart from personal experience over the last few years of sublimating. We seem to knock enough varroa mites down to keep the bees healthy, whichever way we choose, so it's not particularly important, I think. Something I am going to try to sort out for next year is getting bottom boards into the hives again. Not because I think the treatments would be any better or worse, but because I think it will keep the vapour contained in the brood box a little better. And on really still days, it will help reduce the amount of oxalic acid vapour that comes up into the air and is drifting around. This point was brought home to me this week when we were treating the bees at the allotment apiary, which is next to a school. And the young children, very young children, were out in the field playing on their break time. We had to stop and wait for them to go back into their classrooms before carrying out the bulk of the treatments as I didn't want to see a cloud of oxalic acid drift across the playing field into a large group of children. A really important safety point. It's not just the beekeeper's safety that you need to worry about, but also anyone that might be in the general area. If in doubt, stop and go back later. Moving on to the good news story of today, I've had a reply from the Driver and Vehicle Standards Agency regarding my question about the truck and trailer towing capacity. To recap, the question was, am I legal towing a three and a half ton rated trailer when my truck can only legally tow a trailer with a maximum laden weight of 2.8 tons? As I said, it's good news and here's the reply that I received. There are two separate but equally valid parts to your question, which I will need to address. The first is the driver license requirements. The second is the vehicle operating requirements. I'll start with the driving license requirements. I've attached a link to the new driving license requirements. And here I'll add myself that I'll put a link into the podcast notes. But then the email goes on to say, as you've stated that the vehicle in question has a MAM of 2930 kilos and the trailer has a MAM of 3500 kilos and assuming that the driver holds a car license this would appear to be acceptable. Now for the important bit. With regard to the vehicle operating requirements it is the actual weight of the vehicle and trailer that is important here rather than the stated design weights. So In the example you've provided, you stated that the trailer weighs 850 kilos, but the vehicle's maximum towing capacity is 2,800 kilos. That's 5,730 kilos minus 2,930 kilos. Therefore, the maximum carrying capacity of the trailer is now 1,950 kilos. You can therefore only load the trailer with a maximum of 1,950 kilos if you wish to remain within the regulations. Assuming that you adhere to that limit, the vehicle combination would be legal. You can of course add additional weight to the vehicle provided that you do not exceed the GVW and the GVW being the gross vehicle weight. Happy days as they say. With that question answered, I'm free to hitch up and get towing. You might be wondering why I would buy such a large trailer, which is way over-engineered, for my truck. Well, I'm forward planning here. I want to be able to upgrade the truck to one that has a towing capacity 
of 3.5 tonnes, maybe later this year. And the trailer will then be perfect for that truck. In the meantime, I can fill the trailer to capacity with empty boxes to take to the various apiaries without any issues of overloading. The return trip, however, will need to be restricted to something around 100 full supers, but that's more than enough for me to cope with in one session of extracting. And with the boxes spread evenly across the trailer, it will be super stable, if you'll excuse the pun. Moving on, I posted a video on my Patreon page this week showing the new split boards that Pete has made for me. Well, the one I demonstrated wasn't quite finished, but I hope it showed the basic principles. I'm planning to record another more detailed version, one of the completed boards that we have for the honeypore hives. It will be without bees, of course, it's that time of the year, but even so, I think it will hopefully demonstrate how effective it will be. I'll make a little more space at the unit and also demonstrate the artificial swarm method and look at the pros and cons between these two very valid methods. There are a lot of similarities between the splitboard method and the Demery swarm control method. George Demery was a beekeeper in the States and he had his method of swarm control first published way back in the 1890s, so it's nothing new. As the name implies, the Demery swarm control method is used for swarm control, not necessarily for increase, although we are using a modification of the setup in the splitboard method to create an increase. Let me explain the Demery method and you'll soon pick up on the differences, I'm sure. Basically, when you find queen cells in your beehive, the Demery method springs into action. The colony is not really split, but rather vertically extended. And at the same time, the beekeeper performs a separation of queen and flying bees from the brood and nurse bees. Here's how it works. Let's say I'm inspecting my hive and I find queen cells in the brood box. I lift the brood box off the floor and sit it on the roof. Next, I add a new brood box onto the old floor and partially fill it with frames of foundation, leaving a gap in the middle of maybe three frames. The next tricky part is you do need to find the queen. Once she's found, place her on a frame of emerging brood. Honestly, if you leave her on the frame you find her on, it's no real big deal. Just remove any queen cells that you find on that or the other two frames that get replaced in the new brood box. So we have the queen, three frames of brood, and the rest is filled up with foundation. Add a queen excluder. You now have the old queen, three frames of brood and food and frames of foundation in that bottom brood box with the queen excluder on top. Above the queen excluder, you place any supers that were on the hive. If there weren't any, I would probably add a couple at this point. It gives a decent separation between the bottom brood box and the original brood box, which is going on top. But first, add another queen excluder above the supers. Then the old brood box goes on top of that. All the flying bees will return to the bottom entrance and start working on the frames of foundation to give the old queen room to lay more eggs. All of the nurse bees will migrate into the top brood box to attend to the developing larvae in that brood box. Add the crime board and roof and that's job done for now. A week later, go back in and carry out an inspection. Most beekeepers would probably say you only need to inspect the top box, 
but I've had queen cells in some strange places, particularly in the bottom box when I've used this method before. So I would suggest checking both brood boxes. They're your bees, it's your choice. But remember, bees do like to swarm. Knock down all the queen cells. Remember, this is swarm prevention, not an increase method. We don't want any replacement queens in this example, so we're just going to destroy any queen cells that we find. I'd also advocate making sure the old queen is laying well in the bottom box and things are going to plan as far as the foundation is being drawn out, so I would check the bottom box anyway. If you miss any queen cells, they're more than likely to swarm, so do this check carefully and methodically. Once you've knocked down any queen cells, there's unlikely to be any further queen cell production in the top box, although I've known workers to move eggs into supers to produce queen cells, so you do have to keep an eye on what's going on and be ready. After about three weeks or so, all of the brood in the top box will have emerged, and there shouldn't be any further queen cells popping up in that top brood box. At this point, you should be able to recombine or remove the top box for cleaning and then reuse. One drawback is that you'll trap drones in the top box as they have no way to get out. Bear that in mind when you inspect a week after performing the initial manoeuvre because you might get a shock when you take the roof off and have hundreds of drones take to the air. It can be quite a sight. The Demarie method is a really useful tool to have if you're short on space. It's a simple enough process, so long as you understand the brood cycles and why you're doing the things that you're doing, and it will create a large colony ready for the summer flow if you've successfully prevented any swarming. The downside is you have to find the queen. If you can't find her, it's probably not going to work. Again, you have to be able to spot all the queen cells a week after doing the changes and it does give you a fairly large stack of boxes which I believe you will have to split down again to ensure that you've checked the bottom box for queen cells again a week after the manoeuvre is carried out. You do need to be able to lift some heavy boxes and that might be a deal breaker for some beekeepers. The split board method is not a swarm control method in itself it's more a tool for increase and of queen rearing. But by doing that, you are in fact controlling swarms, hopefully, as a byproduct. By using a board that has no access to allow the free movement of bees between the top brood box and the bottom brood box, there is immediately separation and the establishment of two independent colonies. One with a queen, that's the one in the bottom box, and the other queenless, but with queen cells. That's the top brood box. Otherwise, the process is pretty much the same in terms of inspecting a week later to knock down queen cells in both the top and bottom boxes, remembering that you need to leave a queen cell in the top box to become the new queen of that newly formed colony. All the flying bees will return to the bottom box. The drones are able to get out and do what drones do, and you've been able to carry out the entire procedure vertically on the same spot crucial if you're really tight for space. Well that's it for this week. Watch out for the video in due course and I'll catch up with you all again next time. But just so you don't forget, I'm Stuart Spinks and that was beekeeping short and sweet. <laughs>